Working from home has its own unique set of challenges, from finding a spot to create a workspace to getting all of the right equipment. But there's one aspect that's easy to overlook, your home network's security. I'm Jason Cipriani with Jason Perlow, and this week on Jason Squared, we're going to start to dive into a topic about network security. I admit I know next to nothing about it, but Perlow, I know you're well uh, trained and well versed in home network security or even enterprise network security. Yep. So where does someone begin with this? Well, you know, when, you know, Jason, when, when you go to work and you commute to work and you work in an office, there's lots of things that your IT department will do to keep your network from, you know, being penetrated to make sure everybody has access to the things that they're supposed to have access to and people, you know, are denied access to the thing that they're not. Stuff that comes in and out of their their, their internet connection publicly. Right. Lots of stuff that goes on, you know, to secure systems and make sure all that stuff is is locked down if necessary, yeah, the, right? The There's annoying a lot of IT risk department, right? If if data gets exposed to the internet, if systems get penetrated, all those kind of things. Now, when you're at home, you know, we are all we've all been working from home for about nine months now. Many of us have, right? And um, you know, some of us, you know, we don't we don't give a, some people just don't give a lot of thought to locking down their their network or, or making sure devices that are supposed to talk to each other are the ones that are allowed to talk to each other and the ones that really shouldn't be talking to each other you know shouldn't right some people just leave yeah. their networks wide open you know they, they get internet access from their internet provider and then a box is put in their house and it's turned on and nobody ever touches its settings or ever looks at it ever again. It just it assume that it works, your Wi-Fi works, your network works, and it's magic, right? Right, yeah, security is never a thought. Yeah, and so, so, but the reality is, is there are some things you probably should look at. You should go into your, you know, your, if you've never ever looked at your, wire, your wireless Wi-Fi router or your, your, your broadband, you should log in and see all the, the settings and things that you can change to make sure that this stuff is, is set correctly, right? So um, let, let's talk about some of the, the things that you should look at. Um, one of the things I, I, I am gonna start looking at as soon as I have one of these devices uh, sent to me um, is Wi-Fi 6 uh, and the WPA3 uh, security network security protocol, wireless security protocol. Um, Wi-Fi 6, you know, we've talked about it in the past and other shows, is a much faster wireless Wi-Fi technology, but it's also a lot more secure because uh, it's resistant, you know, to, you know, an attacker, a bad guy, you know, who drives around in your neighborhood, you know, we call this war driving, you know, you got a, you got a car and you got a, you got a little antenna sitting on your laptop or, or mobile device, and he's listening to all the traffic that's going on in your neighborhood, he's driving around. Um, now, one of the things that they do, one of the tricks they do is that they, they listen in on the connections between your devices, you know, your laptop and, and your wireless access point or your router. And he, he watches, you know, the handshake, you know, you're, you're connecting to that network and then he's watching the traffic that's going across. Now, then what he can do is he can actually record that, that process and he'll crack your passwords and stuff, right? So wow. that's a that's a problem with the the previous generation uh, network security protocols for wireless. 
um, it was a really serious problem with, with what we had was WEP, W-E-P. And some of the older stuff from like 10 years ago and stuff have that. And if you have like older IoT devices and things that use WEP, get rid of them. Throw them out. Get rid of that garbage. You've got a, if you've got a old wireless router, you got sitting around, you know, providing extra coverage in your house and it's WEP. Or if you've got IoT devices using WEP, throw them in the garbage. <laughs> yeah, so the... I think the broad protocol now uh, is WPA2, right? So that, that's what most devices are using now, or at least the default on new wireless routers that are not Wi-Fi 6, but WPA3 is something that's new on Wi-Fi 6 routers? It's new on Wi-Fi 6 routers, but it was actually introduced a couple of years ago experimentally uh, in the, the Wi-Fi, what we call, now we call them Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi 5, but the, yeah. the technical term was 802.11ac right a yeah. five gigahertz uh, ac network and some of those routers if you update the firmware if you've never updated your routers firmware first of all yeah update your routers firmware if you've never <laughs> updated your firmware um some of them are automatic to automatically update you know firmware but some of these are manual and you, you gotta tell it to do that so um you know if your router firmware is like a year old or something yeah totally you want to update that stuff you know because they're all based on linux and they have public, you know, uh, things that have been published about, you know, security uh, flaws yeah, and stuff. You want to pass that stuff. But anyways, the, if you update your firmware, you might be able to get WPA3 on an existing router. Now, all new Wi-Fi wi 6 access points use WPA3 natively. Um, and, and like I said, the easiest way to, to, to get WPA3 into your network is to buy an access point, especially if you don't have... If you can't change your router, right, and like if it comes from AT&T or if it comes from FiOS and you need that, what they call a residential gateway there to provide you internet service and you don't want to, you know, mess with it, you know, you can get, you know, access points or, or just, you know, consumer other consumer routers that you can set yeah. to bridge mode or whatever and just plug it right into that thing. And now you've got another Wi-Fi network, right? And you can use a, w, a, a WPA3. Now that WPA3 prevents those guys driving around in your neighborhood from, you know, listening into that conversation and recording it and cracking your network. So that's that's a that's a really important thing um, that you can do, uh, you know, to, to especially you know, even if you don't have um, Wi-Fi six capabilities in, in some of your, your your cell phones and stuff. Right? I mean, like all the new iPhones have it from since like, you know, two years ago. Sure. Uh, but so, iOS 14 has WPA3 and so does Android. Yeah, so that's a good point though. The devices you connect to also have to support WPA3. I recently turned on a hybrid mode on the Linksys Velop mesh network that I'm currently testing where it uses WPA2 for devices that don't support WPA3. Right. Transition mode is what they call it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it was funny, I, I was, setting up a new laptop that I'm, I'm testing as well after I had turned this on. And for the first time I saw a prompt, hey, your Wi-Fi is now more secure. Thanks for turning on WPA3. And so the device obviously supports it as in the network does. And it, it was kind of reassuring to see a little prompt show up. I would suggest, you know, Perlos, you've recommended uh, checking out the settings for your router or checking for firmware updates. So if, if our listeners or viewers don't know how to do that, the easiest way to do that is uh, to find out how to do that is just to Google the name 
and model number of your router or Wi-Fi access point and uh, you know firmware update or how to access settings. If you use like Nest Wi-Fi, they support WPA3 experimentally, but you also set it up through an app so it's easy to get to the settings and do all of that stuff. But for your own like Comcast gateway and whatnot, search the model number and you should be able to find the instructions that way. That's the easiest way to do it. There's just too many uh, different models and, and methods for us to go through and tell you exactly how to get there. Yeah. Now, that being said, nothing beats a wired connection. Um, sure. You yeah. know, for security and also network performance. Um, you know, if you have a home office and you have the ability to put a small little switch on your desk and connect that switch, you know, connect all your PCs and printers and other work equipment to it, and then that switch cable to your router, you know, uh, on a port on your router, do that instead of Wi-Fi. You know, if, if you got one of those MacBooks um, or Windows laptops that don't have an Ethernet port, you know, by all means, you know, get one of those USB-C Ethernet dongles and the docking station. Um, you know, those docking stations are especially helpful, you know, for adding extra USB ports or if you want to split out your video and audio to multiple external monitors and speakers. So, you know, you have more, you know, screen real estate, you know, yeah. do that because, you know, you'll get wireline speed. On, on an ether on an e, a wired ethernet you know the best i can do right now with my five you know with my ac network is around 450 uh megabits per second on a good day and i have and i have a gigabit ethernet connection so when i'm connected from my my mac directly to my ethernet i'm doing you know 900 a thousand you know uh and you have so, extra security you know. there there's no signal for anyone to pick up it's hardwired in and, and it's a secure connection or more secure connection more secure, than a yeah. wi-fi connection yeah so what's another aspect of a home network? I've heard of VLANs before, but what exactly is that? So, you know, you know, this is something that if it's built into, you know, your router or your switch or your Wi-Fi access point, um, this is so like the analogy I, I, I want to I want to give you is like this is like giving your wireless and your hardwired Ethernet devices their own special highway. Right. Okay. That no other cars can drive on. Right. You know, you got your own special, you know, express lane. Um, so this is done by turning on something called VLAN tagging. OK. Uh, in the switch. Or the router configuration and creating a special virtual network that only specifically assigned devices can see. So, for example, if you create something called VLAN 100. Right. And you put your home office PCs and equipment on that VLAN 100, right? You're going to go into your operating system settings and set, you know, Ethernet settings, VLAN. You put in the word VLAN 100, the same as you put in the router. Nothing else in your home can communicate with them, um, you know, such as IoT equipment or anything like that. Um, so that's what, and so they'll talk to each other and they'll be able to go out to the Internet, but nothing else in that house can talk to them, whether it's wireless or wired. Right. Okay. So that's good to have. That's an easy thing that you can do if, if, if you have that capability. So your smart home stuff, which there's been a ton of vulnerabilities over the years discovered in random Internet of Things devices. Uh, so the smart home stuff, if you have a properly set up VLAN, won't be able to connect to, let's say, your enterprise laptop that has important confidential files on it and vice versa. Yep, that's correct. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Do you need any special equipment to set up a VLAN? 
No, not necessarily. Um, I mean, it, there are so so the switches. If you your your main switch that like you know maybe you got like a a, a big you know twelve or sixteen port, uh, or even an A port switch sitting in in you know, wherever your what you would call your communications room, right? The room where your you know your 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 residential gateways drop coming in from your cable modem or or your fiber or whatever, and then you have got all your stuff that has to connect to that router, right? And maybe you've got only like two ports or three ports on that router, but you, you need more switch space. So you can get a switch, right? Like an ethernet sure. switch. That is what they call a managed switch, right? Um, that, you know, you can, you can, it has an ethernet address. You can set up those VLANs or it can also be done in your router depending or in your Wi-Fi equipment, you know, settings, depending on where it's done, it, it can be done in any of those places. Um, Another way of, you know, segregating the equipment and setting what can and can't talk to each other is something called ACLs or, you know, access control lists. And again, that's something that's in your router. Uh, it's a setting and it allows you to define the patterns for what we call ingress and egress in and out, you know, to the Internet using what we call the MAC address, M-A-C address, uh, sure. media, or media access control. Uh, it's like a little... Uh, it's like if you look at like, you know, maybe in the back of, you know, a piece of equipment or if you look in your network settings inside your operating system, like or on your like, you know, in your in your in your smartphone, you know, you can look into settings about and all that. It'll show you that Mac address and you'll see that these these are letters and numbers that are separated by colons. Right. And that that is the unique like name of that of that piece of equipment. Right? Every single piece of equipment that connects to it to ethernet or wi-fi has that mac address every they're unique that, that so that, that identifies them so you can say well this you know pc or this piece of equipment with this mac address uh can't talk to the internet or or can only do it at certain times or whatever and these are you know what we would call filters or you know so sure you can do that um in in your in your in your in your in your router configuration for those types of things yeah, and I think Apple recently with iOS 14, actually, I don't think, I know, they, they rolled out a new privacy feature that randomizes your iPhone and your iPad's Mac address, yep. uh, which is not to be confused with Mac, as in Macintosh. Yep. And so um, there may be some issues there with trying to identify Apple devices. You could disable that feature if you have network-specific settings that require a uh, static Mac address. But, um, yeah, this is... This all sounds complicated, but uh, in reality, if you sit down and you take the time to investigate what type of switch you have or what type of switch you're, you're going to buy, like a managed switch, like you were just saying, Perlo, uh, really, it, it's not that difficult to manage on your own, right? No, it's not that hard. No. Okay. And, and, and also, you know, there, there are, you know, some of the newer routers, you know, like Linksys and Nekia, they have apps that you can install on your smartphone yeah. and they, you know, click point and click, you know, pictures and stuff and, and, and a, a, a very typical pattern scenarios that you can configure. They already set it up for you. It's like, you know, point and click, it's, it's done. You don't have to be a network genius to do it. Um, in a similar vein to something like a VLAN or an ACL, um, you know, it, 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 in, some, in separate access points and, so, and sometimes higher end consumer routers, you can create additional SSIDs, right? Which is the name of your wireless network to go with these VLANs and you could even turn off the SSID. Now, the SSID is is the name of your of your wireless network. So every time that you know you click on the Wi-Fi browser on your PC or Mac or, or your Android or, or your iOS, you know you got you pick the network that you're going to connect to, and you see Linksys, you know ATT, Netgear, 
Um, right. Those are default SSIDs that come out of the box on that equipment. You should change them. You right. should not use what comes out of the box. Well, um, a lot and of the you can mesh also systems, turn off the broadcast so other people can't see them, yeah, right? Right. Yeah, a lot of the mesh systems, the consumer mesh Wi-Fi systems allow you to name or ask you, they force you to name your network before you can even set set up the whole system. Yeah. So uh, they, they don't use those default names. But one point you have here is a lot of the consumer devices allow you to create a guest network, but you don't have to use that as a guest network, which is a separate Wi-Fi network in your yeah. home for people who come over so they don't have access to devices on your network or information on your network. But another thing you could do is use that to segregate devices as well. You can create that guest network and use that only for your work devices or only for your smart home devices. For a while, I used it only for my Raspberry Pis, uh, which had access, uh, external access to the internet. You know, I could access them from anywhere through a yep. VPN and, and we'll, we'll touch on that later on. But, you know, so you can use those guest networks for other than people who are visiting your home, which in all likelihood isn't happening right now. And another feature that those apps have as well, and I know it's a, top, a point you wanna to touch on, uh, Perlo is being able to prior, prioritize bandwidth to a specific device for a set amount of time or permanently. You know, for example, I can prioritize in the Linksys Develop app. I could prioritize my MacBook Pro uh, while we're doing these Zoom calls. So while my children are remote learning and doing Zoom calls, literally right now there's four Zoom calls going on in my house. They're not hogging all the bandwidth, and I'm able to get a good throughput uh, to record this video and podcast. Yeah, and, you know, and guys like us, you know, we have, you know, gigabit connections going out to the Internet. So, you know, even if it's wide open, you know, most of the time, even if you have a lot of stuff going, you know, you're not necessarily going to run into a bandwidth uh, hogging scenario. Right. But, you know, there are a lot of people out there with, you know, 20 megabits still, 100 megabits uh, or less. Um, or, or they're using, you know, LTE connections to the Internet, whatever it is, depending on where they live. So there's a feature um uh on your existing switches and your routers and access point called quas okay and, and you'll see it um you know labeled in these as q o s but it's pronounced okay. quas right so it means quality of service so what that can so if, if you if you're working from home again and you're in your office pc your map needs the lion's share of the network bandwidth you know for stuff especially like zoom or, or any other kind of video chatting video conferencing system or you know you do, you need to do heavy uploads and downloads, and you don't want your kids or whatever other piece of equipment you know you know eating up the streaming device or whatever, eating up that bandwidth when you most need it. You can set up quas so you can say, oh okay, this computer with this MAC address again we we, we get that word again M A C right uh, with that this MAC address gets this much bandwidth right. So if you got a gigabyte, yeah. and I want to say all right this Zoom. I want to make sure every single time it gets 50 megabits per second or whatever it is, then, or, or this particular application at all times gets this much traffic chopped up for this, this, this big a lane, you can do that, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And in and, and Nest Wi-Fi, you can actually set a time limit too. prioritize this device for 30 minutes, yep. prioritize this device for an hour and a half. And there's even settings in the app itself to prioritize online gaming and they've recently added a setting for uh video calls so automatically it will detect 
on the network, yes. if a device has a video call going on, it will prioritize that device automatically. You don't have to do anything. So in these consumer devices, they're trying to make it as easy as possible. So you don't need to hire an IT person like your, your work office has, you know, the IT department that has all these weird rules that you have to abide by. You don't have to hire someone to do that for your own home. You're able to manage it yourself. So it, it may be called Quas, it may be called priority device or whatever it is. Traffic prioritization or something. And, yeah. and again, and again, if you have an internet provider that gives you a piece of equipment, but we know the 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 the, 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 um, the residential gateway, or they call it an RG um, at AT and T. You know, maybe your RG is because a couple of years old, maybe it's three or four years old, and it doesn't have these features. But maybe the new ones that they now sent to new customers do. Yeah. You can probably get them to give you a new one for free. Okay, right. I had AT and T yeah. do that. I had an older version of an Aris RG, um, and they had just come out with a new one. With some new stuff on it, um, you know that was that was that was more that was that had a faster processor and other stuff on it. I just had them send me a new one. I sent the old yeah. one back, and they didn't even charge me for it. Yeah, that's solid so, advice. So for look me. into that as well. So, what if someone wants to build like a firewall or you know add a little bit of extra security to their home network? Is that possible for us to do without spending a fortune? Yeah, uh, totally. So, you know, most routers have, you know, some sort of firewall, you know, built into it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and also most have some sort of capability like this already turned on. Uh, but most of the ones on the market are, are fairly simplistic and they use what's referred to as SPI or stateful packet inspection because it uses much less, it's much less processor intensive. You know, whenever you move network traffic, um, you got a you got a, a computer chip, you know, built into the router that has to look at all this stuff and see what the heck is going on and and and, and, and transit it, right? So, um, but that's not as sophisticated as you know what your enterprise data center, you know, your work, you know, your you know going into work and, and, and yeah. having a, an office building um, might have. Those guys have stuff called UTM. Okay, or unified threat management. Now they use a, a technology that's different than what most consumers have, um, called deep packet inspection, and that will even block stuff like viruses or phishing attempts going across the line. Now, I, I if you want to use Star Trek, I like to use Star Trek terms because I like to compare everything <laughs> to Star Trek, right? And I'm I'm an ultra geek, right? So Trekkie, huh? I'm a Trekkie. So. SPI is like scanning somebody and seeing what the shape of that person is and maybe figuring out, oh, that's an alien, all right? You know, or maybe they're hot or cold or, you know, whatever. Sure. A deep packet inspection is like looking at that network traffic from an atomic or molecular level, right? It's the transporter beam, the bits and bytes level, you know, like, yeah, you know, say, it, it takes people apart molecule by molecule before sending them from site A to site B, right? Now, sure. and that, oh, wow, this person's got like a sickness. This person's got, you know, something's going on with his DNA or something. This allows you to see not just stuff like the behavior of malware on things like a network port, right? Um, and when we, when we say network port, we're not just talking about the physical Ethernet ports on the network. We're talking about sometimes, you know, you know, when you see when you put in, um, you know, URLs and stuff, you'll see like that colon at the end of, 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 a, UR, of a URL, like right. 8080 or something like that. That's what we call a network port, right? The, P, the, the TCP IP protocol uses all those numbers at the end of a connection, you know, for, for a specific type of thing that they're doing, right? But so this is like the actual genetic code of what the bad traffic looks like, and it'll intelligently block things at the source. Now, a firewall with this UTM can cost as cheap as like a hundred dollars, you know, or as much as 
500 to thousands of dollars, depending how fast you need it to be. Because like I said, it's got to look at every single, you know, bit and bike on across and inspect it, right? And that degrades your network performance. So if you got a hundred megabit connection, you know, you can get firewalls that can process your, what they call wireline speed with, with not degrading your performance for around a hundred dollars. You know, there's the one that you, you introduced me was the Firewalla, um, yeah, yeah, the red, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a uh, firewall of blue, red, and gold. Gold is their premium device. I think it's gigabit speed that it's able to inspect packets, uh, scan for open ports on your network, block ads, block viruses, malware, all of that. It's not, uh, the ad blocking portion of it isn't perfect in, in my experience, but everything else seems to work really well. Uh, I still need to do some more testing. I've been waiting until the kids aren't in remote learning because messing with the network while they're trying to do all the stuff they're doing is not a fun experience for them, but especially for me. But it also supports VLANs and some of the other stuff we've been talking about as well. It even shows you how much bandwidth a device has been using so you know if there's something that's on your network that's running all the time, that's a data hog, especially with Comcast rolling out their data cap to yeah. their the entire country. Uh, you know, stuff like that. So Firewalla is one brand. Uh, who else? I, you know, that's the only one I'm really familiar with as a consumer Firewall. Uh, I know you know of some others. All, all the major, you know, network names have some sort of UTM product. Uh, but, you know, some of these things, you know, also have annual subscription costs for stuff like the malware signature because basically they've got, you know, virus scanners built into the, the, the box. So, um, you know, you can also, you know, $500 and up, you know, when you start getting into gigabit, uh, levels of performance um, and how many people need to access this thing at once right now. I mean, yeah. if you got like a small business, you got 25 plus 100 users in a building, maybe these, these things might need to cost a thousand dollars or more at home. You might be able to get away with, you know, $500 or less, depending on what it is. You can also build these things, you know, using PCs, um, Raspberry Pis, using open source software. Uh, one of them is Endian. Um, there are a few others. You can also buy PC software like Sophos uh, that you can run, you like run on a PC that sits between your router and, and your network. So I mean, you might want to do some research into this. Um, you know, there's there's also there's a lot of stuff out there depending on how sophisticated and, and how knowledgeable and, and what your skill set is for some of these things. But like I said, yeah, you can buy a Firewalla. It's already it's 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 a box. You plug it in. It takes ten minutes, five minutes yeah, to get that thing running and bang it, it it just works for a lot it's more people. or less plug and play which is pretty awesome I, you get into the gold there's a lot more network management you know that's for someone who is a little bit more knowledgeable now about networks uh but the the red and the blue are just like i said plug and play really easy to set up really easy to use uh yeah i've reviewed i think i reviewed the blue and the red uh both on zdnet so yeah they're, they're great products themselves the gold actually includes a VPN back to your home network when you're out and about. What, what exactly is a VPN, Perla? So a, a, a VPN, again, this is again, another thing that could be built into your router, built into your PC or Mac operating system, built into your, 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 you know, your, your, your mobile device operating system even. Um, this is what we call a virtual private network. So we talked about VLANs earlier, which segregates devices from talking to each other on your own network before you go out to the internet, right? So this technology yeah. is different because it creates a tunnel, right? For that traffic between your device, you know, at the end originating point or the end point, 
okay, to wherever it's going on the internet, right? So if your employer, okay, has a VPN endpoint, you know, maybe, you know, companies like Cisco and Microsoft sure. uh, make these, there's other companies that, that make these, uh, they're likely, they've given you some software that you can run on your PC or your Mac or even your mobile device or your router uh, or your firewall device, right? Uh, to connect the things that work in your company's data center or a cloud provider using this, you know, this VPN connection, you know, click the button, ding, you know, everything's green and, and you're secure. <laughs> right. Now, yeah. you can also set up VPNs at, you know, uh, at public endpoints, okay, using a subscription service. So it makes it much, much more difficult for your traffic to be snooped on, right? So, um, yeah. Frequently, we see VPNs are used heavily by users in other countries, okay, like China, so they can go to websites like Google and Facebook because Google and Facebook are blocked by the, the entire country, right, by these giant, you know, public firewalls, right? Um, and it can also be used to bypass restrictions on, you know, media consumption by services like Netflix, right? So they, Netflix, for example, only allows users from certain countries to view certain content. So if you have some movies and shows that can only be seen by people like, say, in England, UK, you can connect to a UK VPN endpoint and play that movie, you know, which is pretty awesome. And there's other, there's other reasons why if you go in, out in public and you're using public Wi-Fi access points, you might want to use a VPN because those things can, can also be snooped. Right. Yeah. And to touch on a point we just made, if you get the right kind of firewall or device for your home network, some of those like Firewall of Gold include a VPN back to your home network. So let's say you're traveling in a hotel and you need to access some files back at home. You can connect to that VPN and do that. But it also keeps any traffic inside that hotel's Wi-Fi network on your device from being snooped on, which is a huge security uh, advantage itself as well. I run a VPN on a Raspberry Pi. It's called Pi VPN. It took me maybe 10 minutes to set up, and the longest part of that was it creating the encryption key and going through wire guards to finish that setup process. So when I leave my home, my phone automatically turns on the VPN. WireGuard has this built into the app. Uh, it automatically turns on the VPN when it detects that I am no longer connected to my home network. And then anytime I connect either cellular or to a random Wi-Fi network, I am connected to actually my home network's VPN, so everything I do is secure and cannot be snooped on, which is really easy to do. Raspberry Pis, for someone who is bored, especially during you know the, the pandemic and you're looking for something to do, pick up a couple Raspberry Pis and, and mess around with them. There, There is a lot you can do there, especially when it comes to home networking itself. Uh, but yeah, VPNs are, are, are very helpful. So Perlo, I know we have a ton of home networking stuff left to cover, but I think we're going to have to hold it off for another episode. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, there's a whole bunch of things that you know we haven't covered that you know these that are technologies that really your employer or the enterprise, the small business needs to buy because they're they're much more expensive, yeah. um, you know, and they're really designed to accommodate you know dozens or hundreds of thousands of users at a time. Um, but we'll talk about that in, in, in an upcoming show. Yeah, there's messaging, there's mobile device management, there's a whole bunch of other topics that we need to touch on, but we're just out of time. So look for that episode in the coming weeks. We may even have a special guest. We'll just have to wait and see. I'm Jason Cipriani. And I'm Jason Perlow. And this is Jason Squared. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And make sure to check out more of our work at ZDNet.com.